And good afternoon, GRN listeners across the South and Central Texas listening area. This is your live and local program. This is In His Vineyard. I'm Sean, your host for the program every Monday at noon. I'm also your general manager for the Guadalupe Radio Network's South and Central Texas listening area. Thank you to um, you know, thank you to everyone tuning in from Marble Falls, from Fredericksburg and Kerrville, from Uvalde and right here in good old San Antonio. We're very thankful you've, despot, you know, you've decided to spend this hour joining us and getting caught up in all things Catholic in South and Central Texas. Joining me, of course, is my wonderful co-host, Alexandra Kubabatu, a.k.a. Alex K. Great to be with you, friends, and I hope you're having an amazing Lent so far and it's going to and that it's going to be really fruitful for all of you and um, today on this program Sean and I are going to try to bring you various uh, and informative discussions Uh, today we're going to highlight a few of our special guests and uh, that's like what we try to do every single week with you and uh, we try highlighting different people ministries and events going on in the archdiocese of San Antonio and parts of the diocese of Austin and today we'll be speaking to with Carlo Broussard staff apologist at Catholic Answers which can be heard right here on your local GRN station Monday through Friday between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. and it's re-aired on Sundays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. as well and uh, also later in the program is Father Mark Lewis he's the pastor of Our Lady of Atonement Catholic Church and um, he's going to join us to talk about his parish and some of the beautiful differences that you might experience there and why. That sounds all great. And of course, with multiple guests, Alex, you know that uh, it's going to be a lightning quick hour. Okay? Yes. Uh, I don't know what it is, if it's the coffee that I've had or what, but I'm getting a little <laughs> punk out. I don't know what it is. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, before uh, you know, we get going on, on that, uh, let's get today's program started uh, as we should do in all things. Uh, and that's in prayer. Uh, so wherever you might be, place your concerns and desires in the hands of the Lord and pray for that grace to trust and accomplish his will for you. So join and meditate on these words and pray along with me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given the human race, Jesus Christ, our savior as a model of humility. He he fulfilled your will by becoming man and giving his life on the cross. Help us to bear witness to you by following his example of suffering and make us worthy to share in his resurrection. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. St. Perpetua and St. Felicity. Pray for us. St. Joseph, diligent protector of Christ. Pray for us. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yes, so we've got quite, uh, you know, well, not quite a whole lot going on, uh, you know, as far as things I, I want to talk about, uh, because I want to make sure that we, uh, you know, we we spend, you know, time talking to our, our guests. It's going to be, uh, you know, very exciting uh, to have both of them on. Um, and so I want to first thank and give a shout out. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like using that phrase, a shout out. You know, it's it's. <laughs> (laughs) become so commonplace, uh, you know, commonly used today. But I do want to give a big thanks to Dan Sevigny and his wonderful family. um, And of course, the Spiritual Retreat Foundation for a wonderful, um, you know, men's retreat 
uh, that they put on uh, th- this weekend. Uh, there were a lot of takeaways from that. Uh, the title of the retreat uh, was Whiskeys, Cigars, and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they did, uh, they, they did make it known that the whiskeys and cigars, they were gimmicks because we did a lot of talking about Jesus uh, as it should be. So it, it was awesome. It was definitely Holy Spirit filled, not just regular spirit filled, but Holy Spirit <laughs> yes. filled. Uh, so it, it was great. Uh, I do want to highlight a couple things though. Uh, we do have the, um, you know, the, the parish mission uh, taking place at Holy Trinity Catholic Church uh, this Saturday. Um, it is still open uh, for registration, and that's what we're going to talk about, of course, with, uh, you know, our first guest, uh, Carlo Broussard, uh, who you can hear right on this very station that you're tuning into right now, that GRN station that you're listening to. You can catch Carlo uh, every, well, you can catch him on Catholic Answers. Uh, Catholic Answers is aired uh, every weekday from five to seven, and you can catch the, the re-airing of that, um, you know, um, I guess on Sundays uh, as well. Okay. Uh, so with that being said, of course, um, you know, I think, um, what else am I missing? Am I missing anything else, no, Alex? you got it. Am you I? got it. Yeah, good deal. So, of course, we're going to be joined by uh, Carlo Broussard momentarily. Oh, there was one thing, of course, with this being Lent. Um, you know, again, I can't, you know, I can't urge you enough. Please get out there and support your parish, um, you know, your, your parish, uh, the Knights of Columbus. I know the majority of those, uh, you know, councils out there uh, are hosting uh, their parish, you know, Friday fish fries. Some parishes are doing it, uh, you know, even bigger than that. I, I've seen some uh, bulletin announcements where they're doing, you know, like shrimp boils and gumbo and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So again, if you want to know more about uh, what your own uh, parish is doing, be sure to look into your parish, contact the parish uh, where you go, uh, and maybe even look into the the bulletin. Uh, so without, uh, of course, you know, you know, further delay, uh, I want to get this conversation going. Uh, do we have Carlo on the air already? Carlo, hey, you hey, there? hey, good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you are, I guess. Yeah, you're, you're right, Carlo. Look, it's such a pleasure to uh, have you on here. Uh, and yes, for us, it's afternoon. For you, I know you're on that West Coast time. You're still, uh, you know, morning. So I appreciate you uh, letting us interrupt your breakfast, you know, to, uh, and such. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, because, of course, you're going to be leading, uh, you know, this parish mission coming up at Holy Trinity Catholic Church here on Saturday the, the 12th. Uh, I believe that goes from 830 uh, in the morning to 5 p.m. But before we get into that, can you kind of introduce yourself uh, to our listeners? Tell us about, you know, uh, your own, uh, you know, a little bit uh, of your own story and uh, how the Catholic faith uh, was part of your growing up. Okay, yeah, sure. So I'm a full-time staff apologist and speaker for Catholic Answers down here in San Diego. Uh, an apologist, so for your listeners who don't know, someone basically who goes around uh, explaining and defending our Catholic faith, giving the whys behind the what's of what we believe, and we do that full-time at Catholic Answers. So I write books and magazine articles, I travel and give talks and retreats and conferences and all that fun stuff. Uh, my life story is I'm a southern boy from southern Louisiana, I'm a purebred Cajun, and I started out uh, with a musical career, pursuing a musical career in Cajun music, playing the Cajun accordion on the bandstand and the bars from the time I was 13 all the way to the time I was 20. I gave up that pursuit because I discovered a newfound love for theology and philosophy and began my pursuit of being a Catholic apologist, uh, which was actually inspired 
for me by uh, my now colleague and good friend, Tim Staples, who is a nationally known apologist and evangelist for us here at Catholic Answers. And uh, it sounds like when I heard his conversion story, yeah. Uh, if you could, uh, you know, Carlo, for the sake of our listeners, it looks like we uh, we might have, uh, you know, just broke out for just a little bit. Can you back up to before uh, you you got on with, um, you know, with with Tim Staples there? Or you were talking about uh, Tim Staples. Uh, yeah. So before Tim Staples, I was saying that I come from a music background in Southern Louisiana. I was pursuing a musical career in Cajun music, playing the Cajun accordion. Started out on the bandstands from the time I was 13 all the way to I was 20 when I gave up that pursuit of the musical career in order to pursue the career in theology and philosophy uh, to do apologetics inspired by my now colleague and good friend Tim Staples. Okay. And when I started my, I started informal training, uh, started formal training when I gave up music and started pursuing my formal training of theology. And one step after the other, the Lord led me on a great adventure. And here I am now living the dream, uh, working as a full-time staff apologist and speaker for Catholic Answers, actually sharing an office with the guy who started it all for me, Tim Staples. Wow, that is amazing, Carlos. And thank you so much. I mean, I listen to you and you are awesome. <laughs> so I really do appreciate thank the answers you. that you give. And uh, you're a really smart guy in my eyes. <laughs> so thank you for that and for dedicating your life such a, at such an early age, I assume, um, to doing this kind of work. It, it, it must have been, I mean, how did that connection happen from being a musician? Yeah, well, I mean, well it, it, yes. Yeah, it was an infusion. It was an infusion of divine grace because I was not an intellectual kid. Education was not on the radar for me. I didn't give a hoot <laughs> about uh, theology and philosophy and education when I was growing up playing music. Um, didn't even read an entire book on my own until I started studying theology. But when I heard Tim Staples' conversion story and was for the first time introduced to apologetics and defending our faith, standing up for our faith, giving mm-hmm. reasoned arguments for our faith. There was something that was very attractive, attracting to me about that. And, of course, I think the the messenger had a lot to do with it. Tim Staples and his style resonated with me. Uh, And there was an infusion of grace where the Lord lit the fire within my heart, and he's been fanning it ever since. Beautiful. And just really quick, I don't know if I missed this, but were you a cradle Catholic or you a convert? Yes, I am a cradle Catholic, a Catholic from the cradle. I had very profound religious experiences as a young boy, 10, 11 years old. My mom had a major reversion to the faith. Uh, Mom and dad split up, alcoholism. They got back together, sobered up. My mom encountered the Lord through the Crucio movement, and she became a fired-up Catholic pedal to the metal since then. Youth group, choir, you name it. So I had some very profound religious experiences, and my mom was a great witness to me for the faith. But whenever I started playing music in the bars and in the nightclubs, that religious sense became eclipsed. And it, you know, took God's grace to begin uh, moving the eclipse and letting the light of the sun shine again, uh, where I started, you know, becoming convicted uh, in my love for Christ. I came to discover Christ, fell in love with Him and His church, and that conviction grew, which led me to pursue a full-time career in apologetics. 
Amen. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you also, so you are leading this uh, parish mission at Holy Trinity Catholic Church here in San Antonio with yep. the theme of the glory of God uh, as in the Eucharist. And, you know, what, what really caught my attention, I'm sure catches the attention of a lot of our, uh, you know, folks, uh, you know, tuning in and are familiar with it is um, this being, of course, you know, the, the year of the Eucharist. Can you tell us a, a little bit more uh, about this parish mission? Uh, and can can you tell us and maybe uh, help us understand how uh, the theme for this parish mission even came about? Yeah, it was with regard to the latter question and the theme coming about, given that it's the year of the Eucharist and there's so much focus on the Eucharist, given the lack of belief among nominal Catholics concerning what the Church teaches about the Eucharist, uh, they requested for me to give a presentation, because I have a three-talk mission on the Eucharist okay. that I do, sort of a set package that I do at other parishes. So for this upcoming weekend on Saturday, I'm going to be giving um, three uh, talks uh, during the day, as, 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 uh, as I understand it. I'll be giving a talk on understanding our Lord's words at the Last Supper, this is my body, this is my blood. Yeah. Uh, some Christians say that we need to interpret that as a figure of speech or merely sim- symbolic language. Right. But I will argue the Catholic position. I give evidence for why we need to interpret it literally, and that our Lord did intend to change bread and wine entirely into his body and blood. And the second talk will be looking at the Eucharist in the early Church. What did St. Paul teach about the Eucharist? And what did those early Christians right after the Apostles have to say about the Eucharist? Does it match? what we profess and believe today as Catholics. And, of course, sneak peek, the answer is, spoiler alert, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then finally, and finally, in talk three, I'll be looking at uh, our Lord's presence manifest of Eucharistic miracles, and the gift of the Eucharistic miracles we have in the Church to solidify and confirm us in the faith that we have in the testimony of Jesus Christ, in the words that he gave us at the words of institution. So we'll be looking at some great Eucharistic miracles, uh, Miracle of Laziano, that's the, the oldest. We have an alleged miracle from Buenos Aires in Argentina, 1996, a miracle in Pixla, Mexico from 2006, a miracle from 2008 in Socalca, Poland, and these are phenomenal miracles that have been scientifically investigated to show that the bread and the wine, what appears to be bread and wine, actually changes into scientific, scientifically verifiable human flesh from the heart, a human heart, human blood, and living flesh, right? Yeah. Coming from a living body. So some phenomenal stuff that I'll be sharing. No, that sounds uh, super interesting, and I can't wait to, to be out there and uh, and take part in that. Again, listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're on the uh, you know we're on the phone. Uh, well, Carlo's on the phone with us uh, as we're broadcasting. Carlo Broussard, uh, staff apologist at Catholic Answers, uh, which can be heard right here on uh, your local uh, you know GRN Catholic radio station that you're listening to uh, right now. He's going to be leading a parish mission um, you know this Saturday, March 12th, at Holy Trinity Catholic Church. Uh, doors open, if I'm not mistaken, at 8:30 a.m. Uh, and will end with a vigil mass at 5 p.m. Let me ask you something, Carlo. Um, of course, it, for a lot of us Catholics out there. Um, you know, was there ever a time where maybe you struggled with the teaching of uh, the real presence of the Eucharist? And what can you say to those out there who maybe are struggling with that right now? Yeah, well, with regard to the first question, I never really struggled with it intellectually, because it just 
never really crossed my mind for me to begin doubting it. Sure. Uh, I mean, there was a time when I, I had a Protestant friend who did rock my boat a little bit. When I was hanging out with him quite a bit, we conversations about religion would come up. And I do remember one time him giving me his exegesis or reading and interpretation of John chapter 6, where yeah. Jesus says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I remember sensing something awry there. Something wasn't right because it was conflicting with what I had been taught. And that uh, seems to be somewhat of a stumbling block for me. And I do remember experiencing a great deal of boredom at Mass and coming to a point in my life to where I remember thinking, you know, once I move out of my mom and dad's house, I'll stop being Catholic. Uh, so I did have some Protestant influences concerning my understanding of the Eucharist. Uh, but it wasn't until I started studying and got a hold to uh, the real teaching of the Church concerning right. the Eucharist and the evidence for it that my conviction for our Lord, and particularly His presence in the Eucharist, grew, and I became daily communicative, you know, started uh, Eucharistic adoration, and that's when my relationship with the Lord intensified and grew. Uh, concerning what I might say to those who are doubting, uh, it, it, it's okay. It's okay to, if you're struggling with that, because we do find ourselves in a situation in the Church where the true teaching of the faith in many areas is not being presented. And so by, I think uh, for a lot of people, due to no fault of their own, they find themselves not really having conviction in the real presence of our Lord of the Eucharist. And I do think a lot of that has to do with the Church as a whole dropping the ball in catechesis sure. and the preaching uh, of, our, of our priests and stuff, not all, but uh, a lot, you know? And so, but for those who are doubting, it's just a matter of rolling up your sleeves and asking yourself, do I really want to know about this? And if the answer is yes, then you go to Catholic.com, <laughs> which is the website for us at Catholic Answers, and then you just type in the search engine Eucharist, and you'll get a plethora of information, yeah. articles, free articles, free videos, yeah. uh, audio, that they can uh, look into to see the evidence for our Lord's real presence in the Eucharist as interpreted for us by the Catholic Church for the past 2,000 years. That's right. And, uh, of course... You know, I got to tell you, uh, you know, listening to Catholic Answers for for years now, being a uh, a strong listener, uh, even before I ever thought about being part of the GRN family, uh, y'all do good and holy work. Y'all really get to, like you said earlier uh, in your introduction. I mean, you get to the wise of the faith, you know, and that's what uh, we absolutely, yeah. uh, you know. I, that's what I absolutely love about the mission of, uh, you know, Catholic radio is, uh, you know, through this powerful means of radio, uh, we, we teach the wise of the faith through the, uh, you know, wonderful programming such as that you can hear, you know, uh, on Catholic answers. Um, now I wanted to ask you, you know, also, so I know you've got the parish mission going on right now, uh, but what else is going on in the world of Carlo Broussard? You got any new books that, you know, we can, uh, you know, help get the word out on? Yeah, well, uh, besides being a husband to my wonderful wife, Jacqueline, and a, and a father to five beautiful children, that's the world of Carlo Broussard outside of work. But within work, yes, I do have a, a, a new book, brand spanking new book, that'll be hot off the press here, hopefully within a month. Okay. We actually just submitted the manuscript for typesetting, and we got like maybe one more review of the manuscript before it goes to print. And so I'm hoping within a month we'll have that book physically in hand, and it's called Meeting the Protestant Response, How to Answer Common Combat to Common Catholic Arguments. So the idea is we have these classic arguments that we give as Catholics. We've been giving them for many years, 
And many Catholics often ask, well, why don't our Protestant brothers and sisters get it? It's so clear, right? Yeah. I mean, Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Yeah. Well, our Protestant brothers and sisters actually have some reasonable comeback sure. to those arguments, sure. such that they can be justified in their Protestantism. Sure. So in the book, I'm going to articulate those comebacks, sure. and I'll teach you how to respond to those combats and show why they don't pose a threat to the Catholic argument. Amen. Well, look, I can't thank you enough for uh, spending the time with us. We're about to go uh, to a break. Uh, I know that it's, it's lightning quick, right? Uh, but again, folks, if you want yeah. to uh, see Carlo, uh, you've got the opportunity to register for the Holy Trinity um, you know, Parish Mission. Carlo, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and folks, uh, when we take uh, come back from the break, we'll be joined by Father Mark Lewis, pastor at Our Lady of the Atonement. Catholic Church. Thank you, Carlo, for joining us. Hi, listeners. Sean here, and hopefully by now you've heard about our next Fishers of Men Benefit Dinner taking place on the evening of Thursday, April 28th at the beautiful Banquet Hall at Holy Trinity Catholic Church. We'll be presenting our 2022 Fishers of Men Award to Dr. Mitchell and Mrs. Chrissy Finney of St. Matthew Catholic Church. Come join us in celebrating this wonderful couple and the Guadalupe Radio Network in South and Central Texas. For more details or to reserve your table or seats, go to grnonline.com. Are you a young adult looking for the right path through the challenges and changes in your life? Do you wish to do God's will but don't know how? Join Young Catholic Professionals April 29th through May 1st for their 2022 conference, Thy Will Be Done on Earth as It Is in Heaven. A weekend of inspirational speakers, enriching small group discussions, and the sacraments together with 600 plus witnesses for Christ from across the nation. Visit ycpconference.org to register. Registration closes April 7th. Hi listeners, this is Sean. It's almost that time again. Time for our Spring share The Spring share will begin on Tuesday, March 22nd and will run through March 25th. This year's theme is Made for Mission. We ask that you please prayerfully consider calling in your pledge of financial support for the Guadalupe Radio Network, helping to keep our airways Catholic across South and Central Texas. Thank you so much for your generosity and may God abundantly bless you. Join Holy Trinity Catholic Church for a wonderful Lenten event titled The Glory of God as in the Eucharist, Saturday, March 12th. Doors open at 8.30 a.m. Your ticket includes from Catholic Answers, dynamic speaker and apologist, Carlo Broussard. Music by David Kaufman. A box lunch and fellowship. For more information, visit HolyTrinitySAT.org or call 210-497-4200. And welcome back, listeners. This is your live and local program. This is In His Vineyard. I'm your host, Sean Rice, joined in studio with Miss Alexandra Kubabatu, a.k.a. Alex K. What a lightning quick talk with, uh, you know, Carlo Broussard, Alex. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. What what do you think about, uh, you know, the upcoming parish mission? I know that is so amazing. I mean, on top of being a full-time apologist on the radio, he's doing missions and writing books and all this, but that's that's, those are fruits of the spirit for sure. Amen. And again, folks, um, for information on that parish mission taking place at Holy Trinity Catholic Church this weekend. All right. Uh, you can go to Holy Trinity Catholic Church website at Holy Trinity S A T. 
dot org uh and then of course you know you you tab uh you click on the tab for lent 2022 uh scroll up a little bit and you'll find uh you know again that that parish mission uh it's called the glory of god as in the eucharist um it's going to be a you know if you wanted to learn and grow deeper into the the teachings and the Catholic Church's teachings uh, on the Eucharist, and I encourage you to to sign up before uh, it, it is sold out. Uh, our next guest uh, going to be joining us uh, is none other than Father Mark Lewis, uh, pastor at Our Lady of the Atonement Catholic Church here in San Antonio. He's got a gem of a parish uh, over there, uh, you know, on the, the on the far west side of town. Uh, but I don't want to take too much of his thunder, so we're going to welcome on to the program now. How are you, Father? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. No, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, Father, um, we've been wanting to get you out here for, for some time now. So glad that you could join us. Uh, but the big question that I always hear, of course, is, you know, that parish, Our Lady of the Atonement, are they Catholic? Can you first start off with, you know, maybe an introduction to our listeners and kind of help us understand exactly that question I just asked? Yes, indeed. It is uh, fully Catholic. Let me begin with that. But it is an enigma um, because of the liturgy is different. And because the liturgy is different, it's uncommon to the people, and therefore they think, oh, this isn't what we're used to. So obviously this is not Catholic liturgy. But it, the liturgy has been given to us by Rome. And in fact, it's been around for quite some time. Right. Our Lady of the Atonement was one of the, the in fact, the original parish of the pastoral provision dating back to 1983. There were several others around the country, uh, but that was expanded in uh, with Pope Benedict XVI when he created the ordinariates. We now have our own missile, uh, that not just a bulk of worship, but a missile that is from Rome. Uh, and it, as Rome calls it, it's a unique form of the Latin rite. Amen. And it's, yeah, I got to wow. tell you, you know, personally, it's a beautiful form uh, of, of the Latin rite. Uh, if you haven't gotten out there uh, to check it out, uh, of course, you know, as we were saying, it's the some of the, the beautiful differences in, in the style of worship. Um, you know, I would ask you, what if someone were to come out there to to celebrate, uh, you know, uh, the mass uh, out there and to, you know, take part uh, in this liturgy? Can you kind of give uh, and, and, you know, kind of speak about, you know, some of the differences that, um, you know, folks would see out there, Father? Sure. First thing they would take notice of is the priest facing east, uh, which is very uncommon and, and throw some people off. But you take notice of that immediately as we approach the altar and everyone is facing east. Uh, the second thing is the language that is used. Uh, it, it is a it is a very traditional English uh, language that is used. We used to think, um, or you refer to it as Elizabethan language, okay. uh, English, mm. but that's not really true either. And uh, study has shown that this is English language that was used in the church, but not necessarily on the street in England sure. at that time. So it's a unique language to uh, to the English Christianity of how it developed in the church. That's beautiful. And, you know, I, I just have a question. I, I know it, it could be very different from what we're used to. So what are some of the basic do's and don'ts that we should be aware of as new um, parishioners there? Uh, well, uh, 
there there are I don't want to say there's never don'ts, <laughs> but do come, do come. Amen. Uh, some things you'll find different uh, comes to mind is passing the peace. Uh, when we were getting started, we had a. Uh, in fact, it was Monsignor Lopes, who is now our bishop. He came over from Rome, the CDF. That's yeah. where he worked. And he was teaching us uh, how the peace is to be given in the ordinary parishes. And oh, so what you will not have yes. is people turning to one another, uh, shaking hands, giving hugs, or, or really even nodding to one another, because the peace comes from the resurrected Christ to the priest, who in turn... Mm turns around to the parish and gives yeah. it to you. And uh, that's that's the peace that is given. Amen. You know, Amen. As opposed to what we see in uh, many other, not just Catholic churches, but in other denominations. Too. Right. Yeah. Right. And how, how about the reception of the Eucharist? Are there any differences there? Uh, there, there, there is. Uh, you will find that the, there's an altar rail as well as uh, a place for you to kneel. So we... Uh, sometimes can tell when we have visitors because they're standing up in a single file, uh, <laughs> and uh, but this is this uh, is we hear this a lot. It takes elderly people back to the days when they were younger, yeah. because there is a an altar rail as well as a you know a, a place for you to kneel. So the priest comes just goes down the line with communion, and it's done by intention. So the host is dipped into the chalice to get the precious blood on and put onto your tongue. Sure. Now, let me ask you something, Father, Uh, because again, uh, my first time there, uh, the the first thing that's you know, that struck me was the, the beautiful altar that, that you have. Um, of course, the, you know, the, the altar rails and, and, and such. Um, but can you go back a, a little bit, you know, uh, you know, back to the to history of, uh, of, of its founding uh, and such, but how, how was the design uh, and, you know, the construction of it, you know, how did all that uh, really, you know, take shape? Could you share that with us? Well, I, I wish I knew more about this particular parish. This has to do, uh, we got to give uh, Father Christopher Phillips uh, a lot of credit in how he designed this parish. Sure. But most of the parishes, in fact, I don't know of any that aren't designed this way in the ordinary. Yeah. It's the traditional style that has the long aisle yeah. uh, going down the middle, and it's conducive then to the worship being facing east and up front. Yeah, as opposed to turning around facing the people. Amen. Uh, and also with that, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about you know the worship services, such as uh, the different you know times of the year? You know, Richard Reyna, my predecessor, you know, a close friend, uh, of course, of, of yours, I'm sure. Um, you know, talks very highly about uh, his experience with uh, you know the you know, midnight mass and such. Can you tell us, uh, you know, what folks would experience at some of these uh, different masses? Because from what I understand, you ha- you do have like a high mass and a low mass or a sung mass and a not sung mass, or can you go into that a little bit? Correct. Yeah, the, f- the first thing is we, we have uh, five masses on the weekend, uh, one on Saturday, five o'clock, and then the four on Sundays at 7, 9, 11, and 5 p.m. Um, th- three of those are said masses, uh, which which are very nice, uh, quiet. Uh, it takes about an hour to do those masses, and then the other two are sung masses, or oh, we might even say solemn high masses, in the sense that it's smells and bells every Sunday. Yeah. Um, those masses tend to take a lot longer, uh, not just because of the uh, uh, I'm slow, 
but it, it's it's rather a long liturgy, sure. longer than uh, the Novus Ordo. And uh, when we add our hymns to that, as well as the receiving communion, takes a bit longer also because of the people kneeling as opposed to just walking up and receiving and moving on. Right, right. Wow. So, okay, so how can you tell us a little bit about the Anglican heritage behind the ordinariate? Yeah. Well, keep in mind that uh, England was a faithful daughter of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was uh, King Henry VIII who, who 15 years prior to him leaving the church, he was named uh, Defender of the Faith against Martin Luther for defending the Eucharist. But in 1534, he decides he wants to be the head of the church. Mm. Uh, so he uh, separates uh, the church in England and then becomes the Church of England. Uh, but there's this rich history of the Catholic faith in England. Even in Anglicanism, it has that rich history of of. Catholicism, like many of the bishops in the Church of England today are living in the same residence that many of our saints have lived in. Yeah. Wow. So they have that rich history. Anglicanism has that history with it, but that's Catholic history. I can remember the first time I went to Canterbury, England, and we got off the train and I was going down the hill and there was a Catholic bookstore there, and I was an Anglican at the time, and I thought, what the heck is that doing here? Yeah. <laughs> well, now I realize, you know, this this property was stolen from the Catholic Church, right. just taken from the Catholic Church. Uh, but it does have that Catholic history in it, Anglicanism does, which makes it very easy to come over uh, to yeah. Catholicism. You know, uh, now that you... you you speak about, you know, the, the coming over on that. Uh, for you personally, Father, um, of course, you know, you're, you've been a priest for, for how long? 22 years. That's a long time, and we, we are so thankful, for, of course, for, for your vocation. Um, now, are there some differences with the, with, with the clergy in, in the Anglican use and, and such? How does that uh, – is? are there any differences between the, um, you know, the priest within the, you know, within the, the priest that most people would, would know of in their own parishes. Uh, yes, but that is going to be changing as well. Oh, okay. So when, when Pope Benedict formed a, a, uh, the ordinariate, he allowed for married clergy to bring their communities into the ordinariate or into the Catholic Church. This is only uh, something that will that is for here and now. I see. But will fade out. In fact... Uh, we have uh, ordained our first group of guys that graduated from seminary, I think, uh, I think two years ago. But they are all celibate. So celibacy is the norm. Right, right. And it will be the norm. Amen. So this is just an exception with yeah. married clergy for right now. No, that, that's beautiful. And I got to ask, um, of course, my hat's off to you. Well, not just to... The, you know, the, the priests in general, but even folks, let's say for, for you, I mean, because not only do you manage a flock, right, but you manage a, a household too, right? Um, and, and of course, with that, you've seen your flock grow, uh, there at the, you know, at, at the, you know, parish of Our Lady of the Atonement. Uh, can you talk about that growth, you know, with our listeners, in fact? Well, it's all due to God, first Amen. of all. Uh, he, he's been very good to us. Uh, we have experienced um, tremendous growth over the last three, three and a half years. Uh, for us, we, uh, you know, we are a small Catholic 
church yeah. in, in comparison to some of these churches that are around. Uh, but we have doubled in size in the last three years. Wow. Uh, really, they're like the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So we, we now have a, just short of 1,200 families in the parish and uh, many, many, many kids, uh, families with a lot of young children. Amen. It, it is a, it is a pleasure always uh, to to go out there and see these large families. You know, you yes. got the little ones, uh, you know, running around and, and such, and you see these, um, you know, the, the the large families, you know, there in the in the Northix. I mean, at their at Alex, you know, at their yes. nine a.m. mass, um, they are busting out through the seams. That you know, I, uh-huh. I would say, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, they have the. You know the the multiple rows of uh, you know of metal seating available just to make room, um, you know for for everyone uh, you know going out there. Uh, I would ask you, Father, too. Um, you've been in San Antonio for for how long now? Um, almost five years. Almost okay. So for the time that you've been pastor, uh, you know here, um, what do you you know as far as you know some of the some some of the you know joys that you're seeing in the in the growth? Um, you know, can you speak to you know what's been you know great seeing that type of growth? I know it's been exponential in just the, the short amount of time, but you know what type of joy does that bring you in seeing that? What does it say uh, to you? Well, first of all, it. It strengthens my faith, yeah. and uh, I just praise God. I praise God for the work that He is doing at Our Lady of the Atonement. Uh, it's you know He's bringing people to us, and they're curious when they come. So that they you know they they come and then they have all kinds of questions, but they are wanting to belong, and that's you know one of the things the ordinary was created for. Obviously, was to bring home uh, Protestants. Bring them back into Holy Mother Church. Yeah. This is our this is our primary goal. But along the way, what we're finding is reverts. Mm-hmm. We're running into Catholics that, for some reason or another, their faith has become kind of stale, kind of dormant, dull, or however you'd mm-hmm. want to describe it. Yeah. When they come there, it's like their faith has is is receiving a quickening. Yeah. Uh, that, but that's really the the Holy Spirit moving in them. Uh, and we're the benefit. We're, we're benefiting from yeah. that. Uh, so it's it's a great joy for me uh, just to see the work that God is doing. The second thing is is for that I give God great praise and thanksgiving for is that when the people are coming, they're coming offering their gifts. Yeah. So it's wonderful for me to see how God is bringing these people together. Uh, that all of them have different gifts, but you can you can see the the pieces of the puzzle coming together. Right. You know some of the things that we have uh, we we've had dreams of or things we've wanted to do. It, you know, it's just like missing parts. We, we don't well, we don't have this. We don't have that. But we now see those things coming together, and it, it's again, it's not of it's not because of Mark Lewis. Right. It's because of what God is doing. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a part of. And I think that the people coming there pick up on that. It isn't just the the liturgy, but it's the joy of of worshiping God and experiencing the holy otherness at God at Mass and the joy of Jesus after Mass. Amen to that. Wow. 
could you celebrate for mass right now? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, you know, as uh, you know, when, when I, I go there, the one thing I can tell you listeners, uh, you know, that you will find is that uh, there is, uh, you know, such a beautiful, you know, reverence, uh, you know, with, with the celebration and Father Mark, I mean, you and Father, uh, you know, Jenkins out there do a beautiful job. I, I got to tell you, um, you know, the first time I came out there and, you know, Our Lady of the Atonement, Father Mark Lewis, Father Jenkins, they are very supportive of the work that we do in the work uh, of evangelization and our work, of course, uh, in uh, being co-workers in, in God's vineyard, okay? But when I see these two guys for the first time, it was my first parish talk, actually, uh, and it's almost coming up on a year now, um, you know, they are Twin Towers, it's like twin <laughs> towers of holiness. You know yes. what I mean? Uh, but, you know, it, it's great to, to, to be out there, um, you know, and, and see them, you know, see them celebrate, you know, with, with such reverence. Uh, the, the people there, you know, it, it's, it's just beautiful. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it is absolutely beautiful. I know several families that go to Our Lady of Atonement and they don't even live near there. They come from right. all parts of the city just to go to that parish. And I'm like, you know. That is so beautiful. And um, I remember going there when Scott Hahn was there. And, yeah. of course, busting at the seams. But that, that seems to be pretty <laughs> normal there. <laughs> so that's pretty nice. But I have a question for you, Father. So um, is the ordinary community part of the local diocese? Are they under that direction? Or how does that work? Yeah, no, they are not. Uh, it, it is. Uh, we have our own bishop. Okay. who is Bishop Stephen Lopes. Our cathedral is in Houston, Our Lady of Walsingham, and that's where the chancery is. Uh, the bishop was just here at, at Our Lady of the Atonement this past weekend to celebrate the 9 o'clock Mass. But we, on all ordinary parishes around the country, including uh, those that are in Canada, uh, fall under the personal ordinary chair of St. Peter, which is a non-geographical diocese. Okay, yes. okay. So that's how it works. Um, so there... Are they? A, they're they're not like a separate right within the church, are they? Or no? no. Okay. No. Okay. It's it's a Latin. As I said, it's a it's a yeah. Latin right. It's a unique form of the Latin right. Mm-hmm. No, it, and it's it's a beautiful form also. Now, I wanted to ask you, you know, Father, um, who who can who can attend? Who can join? I mean, yeah. are there restrictions? I know because uh, with the you know the Anglican use. Uh, of the uh, you know Roman rite and such, um, this was geared toward, like you said, for um, for former Anglicans to come into full communion uh, with the church. Is it just open to former Anglicans? Is this open to you know other Protestants or you know kind of? Can you talk a little bit about you know who is um, you know who who is this for? Yeah, it's for all people, <laughs> including, <Amen. laughs> including including Catholics. Yes. So if you are uh, if you are Catholic and and uh, have have always been a Catholic, cradle Catholic, and this is the uh, um, you come here and you the, you know this stroll stroll uh, stirs your drink. Yeah, uh, you're more than welcome to become part of uh, who we are there, uh, and and so, and then. Some of the people, a good many uh, people, have have come um, to there who are Catholic, but they it it really meets their need. It sure. just it is uh, spiritually where they are, uh, and we see this a lot in uh, two different opposing age groups. Really, the elderly mm-hmm. who remember what things were like prior uh, prior to the Vatican Council, which this this our liturgy. Um, Mirrors it in a way, sure, 
and also young people. The young people are really attracted uh, to the reverence that this liturgy, uh, that we use in this liturgy. Amen. Um, and you also, you have a school and academy out there, right? We do. We have a, a academy K through 12, uh, and the high school's been rated the best in the city. So if you have a child, uh, K through 12, we would love for you to entrust them to our, our care. Uh, it's a very, very good school. Uh, and the kids really, they go to, uh, on to college choosing what school they want to go to. Amen. And actually, uh, you know, Richard and I, we had the, uh, you know, distinct pleasure out uh, at just recently being at your, your gala. I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun, Father. Hopefully I didn't embarrass myself in front of you and uh, everybody else out there. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you too, um, you know, regarding the, you know, folks coming in, uh, you know, I know you have something similar to the RCIA or is it the RCIA or can you kind of touch on, um, you know, that process or that class or, or that uh, inquiry class? Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the differences that folks would find in that versus the RCIA? Yeah, RCIA uh, begins uh, very basic. You know, is there a God? Uh, most of the people coming to us are, are former Anglicans. Sure. Uh, and as I said before, therefore they you know have some knowledge of Catholic understanding. So it isn't it isn't like a normal Protestant who I might see. not have uh, an understanding of the Catholic Church. Uh, but the inquirers class here was developed by uh, just a brilliant a brilliant man, Deacon David Delaney, uh, Doctor Deacon yeah. David Delaney, yeah. uh, and it is a sixteen or seventeen week. Program, but I would invite you to go to the website to look at what is being taught there. These classes are in, you know, really go in depth, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and it's they're they're just great tools for learning the faith. So uh, it's a much shorter, but I would I would argue much more in depth in a sixteen week class yeah. or seventeen weeks than what you would do in RCIA over a year year. year so time. would even um, let, let me ask you this: Would a Let's say uh, folks who just wanted to to, to learn and go deeper uh, into the faith would they and not necessarily join the um, you know the the ordinariate uh, or so um, are are they open to you know just um, people who want to learn more uh, and go deeper on that journey? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're hitting on something too that is yeah. a part of who we are as an ordinariate parish. You know, uh, because when we when we came over uh, when Anglicans come over. Or really any convert. Sure. Yeah, you are committed to the magisterium. Amen. Uh, you know, and it's quite surprising to uh, find Catholics who aren't. You know, but for us, we know what it's like without a magisterium. Amen. So when we come into the church, we're all in. Right. Yeah, and that's what you find here at Atonement is you're going to find people that are are truly committed to not just the faith, but learning the faith. Yeah. So the things that are being taught there, like right now we have a wonderful program going on, um, being taught in between the 9 and 11 o'clock masses on bioethics. Uh, you know, these things feed us yeah. and help us to grow. This is part of who we see, of or how we see who we are. Right. As a, as a uh, as a member of the ordinary, and that is, you never stop learning. You know, uh, we learned uh, once you become Catholic that the more you learn, 
you realize how little you know. Amen to that. (laughs) And you also realize how much more there is to grow. Yes. Right. So we never want to become complacent where we are. We want to take advantage of this gift that we have been given, and we want to soak it all up like a sponge as much as we possibly can. Amen. Wow, that's amazing. So there, so these um, ordinary, it's, they're all over the world, or how many are there? There, there are three right okay. now, and uh, the first one was established in the UK, the sec- and the second in the United States, and a few days later, one in Australia. But uh, the U.S. is, is uh, you know, I, I'll speak to that. We're doing very well under the guidance of our bishop, sure, uh, uh, Bishop Bishop Lopes. So I'll give him a shout out. Who I might add was just elected uh, the chair of uh, the uh, liturgy committee of the USCCB. I was just going to touch yes. on that, Father. In uh, fact, <laughs> uh, but we're 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 very proud of him, and I'm I'm very honored to have him as my bishop. Amen. Um, you know, also, uh, of course, you you know the folks out at Our Lady of Atonement. I mean. As I mentioned earlier, just some of the support, most supportive folks of uh, you know our, our mission here uh, at, at Guadalupe Radio, also. But not only that, but there's a lot of parishioners out there uh, that are equally involved with pro-life movement. Uh, I know there's a brand new uh, you know uh, ministry out there headed up by uh, Miss uh, Marcella Elsner. Um, you know she's leading up the uh, comfort and in comfort and loss, uh, God's comfort and loss miscarriage uh, ministry, and there's a whole litany of them, if you will, of people that are involved uh, in, in that. Um, you know, how, how does that make you feel, Father? Um, and of course, you know, how can you tell our listeners about, you know, what does that say uh, about, um, you know, the, 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 the feeding that they're receiving to be involved in all these different great ministries? I mean, what is that? What, what do you take out of that? Well, I, I, uh, I'm a firm believer that Part of my job is uh, outside of the Eucharist and yeah. confession and those type of things. But part of my job is to raise up the saints of the church. Amen. And what I have experienced at Atonement uh, with just great people there is that is indeed what God is doing. And not only is he raising the people up that are that is already at Atonement, but he's bringing in the new people yeah. who complement those ministries or are beginning new ministries of their own. So... You know, we're we're ex- not only are we experiencing um, just a, 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 a growth in in our Sunday attendance, yeah. but a growth in the ministries that right. have mm-hmm. risen up, and that's what I told Bishop is is no, I told my Bishop is one of the one of the joys is to see uh, people offering their gifts to be used to the glory of God Amen. to bring. Uh, to bring other people into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's happening at Atoma, and it is really, really exciting. That's wonderful. Is there any area uh, within, you know, the work that you do with, there with the parish and, and, the, and the laity that you would like to see more of? Is there anything that, that you would like to maybe grow a little bit more? Sure. Uh, I, I think that God has blessed us with many people who are educated well in different areas of the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. uh, such as uh, rather, rather be Dr. Delaney, who is just brilliant in just about everything, but he has his doctorate in <laughs> systematic theology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, we have the guy who's teaching now, who is teaching bioethics. We have uh, other people who have other special areas. I can see us uh, really being a center mm-hmm. uh, in San Antonio for 
really a, 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 a good, solid teaching of the faith. Yeah. Uh, we can offer that. And I might add that we had, you know, we've had uh, like Scott Hahn come out recently. And, and uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't make those phone calls. They called us. Yeah. So it was wonderful to have them come yes. here. And to me, it was kind of confirming that, yes, this is where I want uh, this ministry, atonement ministry to be, is teaching the faith. Amen. Uh, not just to our people, but to anyone who wants to listen. Amen. And folks, uh, yet if you're just tuning in, we're having this wonderful conversation with Father Mark Lewis, pastor at Our Lady of the Atonement Catholic Church uh, here in San Antonio. Um, again, for more information uh, on Our Lady of the Atonement, uh, you can visit their website at ourladyoftheatonement.org. Um, they're a you know parish of the uh, personal chair of the Ordinariate uh, of St. Peter. I hope I said that right, right? Uh, Chair of St. Peter, yes. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. Uh, now, of course, you know, we've got just a, a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to ask you, um, you know, something maybe a little bit per, more personal, Father. Uh, for me, you know, I, I consider myself a convert too. So when you were talking about, um, you know, converts, they know what it's like to have that, ma- not have that magisterium. They know what it's like to not have, um, you know, the, the Eucharist or the valid Eucharist or, or so. Um, for you personally, you know, at what point did you recognize that, you know what, I want to come back home? You know, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, let me begin by saying Anglicanism is kind of broad. Right. And there's a small portion of Anglicanism that is known as high church or okay. really Anglo-Catholic, and that's the church that I really grew up in. Okay. But that is so small. It's very, very small in the, in the church. It really follows the Oxford movement of the late 1800s. Uh, and so I grew up in that movement, and I became an Episcopal priest in with that understanding. But with that understanding was Catholic theology sure. about the Eucharist. And, you know, there was a unique prayer also uh, in the intercession that every Sunday we would pray, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. And the response was, or is, uh, that we all may be one. You know, yeah. as an angry, you start, start, start scratching your head. Right. Well, how's, that, how's that unity going to take place? Right. Well, in 2009, uh, Benedict made that unity possible in a very real way by creating Anglicanorm Chedibus, which is groups of Anglicans, this bridge by which Anglicans could come over and bring part of their patrimony with them. So it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing here. Um, the, the, the other thing that I, I want to go back to something you said, just the chair of St. Peter. Yeah, okay. It, it speaks to authority. Okay. You know, uh, as an Anglican, as a Protestant, there is no authority, right? Right. You are your own authority. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we all know, uh, our opinion really doesn't matter as Catholics. We assent to the teachings of the church. Amen. That is the uh, the chair of Peter. Yeah. And we are reminded of that just by our name as coming from Protestantism, right. that we are under authority. Right. Thank God we are. Amen to yes. that. Man, and I see, you know, I see your face just light up talking about this, Father. And it is always a joy, you know, talking to you. It, it really is. And, you know, the same goes, of course, with, with Father Jenkins. Um, you know, so I, I would encourage anybody, if you haven't experienced it, to at least get out there uh, to experience, uh, you know, the, the Anglican use uh, or the Anglican form, uh, I guess. Is that the proper way to say D- that? Divine worship. Divine worship. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, it, 
it is a, it is beautiful out there. Uh, what else uh, do you might you have going on at the parish, Father? Do you have anything going on specific to uh, the Lenten season or anything like that you'd like to talk about and uh, let uh, our listeners know about? Sure would. I, uh, that is a fish fry every Friday night from 5 <laughs> yes. to 7. Of course. Our, our nights, nights of Columbus, as well as Stations of the Cross that begins at sure. 7, followed by Benediction. Uh, everyone is welcome to come. I, I would like to have one one thing, if I could, I'd be remiss if I didn't, sure. didn't, didn't mention this, is I, I want to acknowledge the support that we have received uh, from Archbishop Gustavo. Yeah. Uh, uh, our relationship when I came, you know, it was kind of cool, yeah. obviously, but um, thanks to his graciousness to me, yeah. uh, we have come a long way. So I want to publicly thank him for all that he has done, and uh, the archdiocese yeah. in helping uh, atonement to uh, fulfill its mission in the ordinary. Amen to that. Uh, and folks, if you're just tuning in, we're get uh, we're, we're wrapping up a conversation, of course, with Father Mark Lewis, pastor at Our Lady of the Atonement uh, Catholic Church. Uh, they're a gem of a parish uh, here on the far west side of, uh, of San Antonio. Um, and of course, you know, I would encourage you to at least get out there. Um, and there's different times of, of, of worship also. You, if I'm not mistaken, you also, um, you have a, the, the morning prayers at six o'clock. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, some of the services that are available to, uh, you know, folks that come out there, Father? Yeah. Uh, in Anglicanism of the, uh, well, you know, the liturgy of the hours in Anglicanism that was, uh, changed over to where it was public prayer. Okay. So our liturgy, our lit, the liturgy of the hours that is uh, for the ordinariate, is a public worship. It's not meant to be private. Yeah. Uh, although I mean, many of us do it privately when we're when sure. we're. But the church is open at six thirty a.m. for morning prayer, and every evening at four thirty p.m. for evening prayer, uh, and that's for anyone to come in and pray. And the the mass times on the weekend. Uh, the mass time Saturday at five. Okay. Sunday at seven a.m., nine a.m., eleven a.m., and five p.m. Uh, well, that sounds like there's plenty of opportunity to, yeah. to come out and worship uh, for sure. But Father, uh, before uh, before we close out, would you impart your blessing on us? And indeed. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Holy Father, we pray your blessings upon this ministry. Use it to your glory and bring all people home to your Catholic Church. We ask us in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. And folks, uh, join us next week, same time, same place. God bless you. Fullness of Truth Catholic Evangelization Ministries invites you to join them for a very special benefit dinner supporting their mission to further the new evangelization in Corpus Christi and beyond. The dinner will take place on Wednesday, March 30th at the Omni Corpus Christi. Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life of America, will be the keynote speaker for the evening. For more information and to register, visit fullnessoftruth.org. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank Dr. Christopher York, an ENT doctor practicing in medical and surgical treatments of disorders of the ears, nose, and throat with an emphasis on thyroid and parathyroid surgery. Dr. York is also past president of the Catholic Physicians Guild of San Antonio and can be reached locally at 210-499-4589. Thank you, Dr. York, for your support of the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
It's okay for Lent to be a struggle. Christ never promised us fame, riches, or happiness in this life, but rather suffering, poverty, and sacrifice. The desert of Lent helps us discern the need for God. We must realize, in most cases, the desert is more of a path than it is a place for us to live. If we follow in the path of Christ, that is, in His way of the cross, we find not a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. We must first die if we wish to be reborn. Moses and the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, and Jesus fasted and was tempted in the desert for 40 days. The 40 days of Lent are a time of trial and purification. This Lent, let's leave everything to God, especially if everything seems to be going wrong. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Thanks for listening to KJMA 89.7 Floresville, San Antonio. On the Guadalupe Radio Network in South Texas. Catholic radio for your soul. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also streaming on grnonline.com and on your smartphone.